This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Wednesday, November 29, 2023. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. A few Macomb School Board members are dissatisfied with the district's buses, so they're considering whether to head down a different path. Tri-States Public Radio's Rich Egger explains. Currently, Durham School Services owns the buses and handles everything related to getting students to and from school. But the school board's transportation committee thinks the district might benefit from owning the buses itself. Superintendent Patrick Toomey says committee members believe the community does not feel much pride in the district's transportation system. The buses don't have Macomb School's name on them. They're older. Um, A lot of them are are rested and, and you, know, uh, you know, for lack of a better thing, got sloppy-looking paint on them. Toomey says by owning the buses, the district could ensure it has shiny, new, air-conditioned vehicles. He says Durham would continue to manage all other aspects of transportation, such as providing drivers, mechanics, and dispatchers. Toomey has researched the issue and plans to provide information to school board members next month. They will then decide whether to make a change. The district would need to order new buses by January to have them in time for the new school year. Rich Egger reporting. A fire caused an estimated $150,000 damage to the National Guard Armory in Macomb. No one was injured in the Saturday morning fire, which appears to have started in a storage room. The cause remains under investigation. Gun owners in Illinois have about one month left to register their semi-automatic firearms and high-capacity magazines that are restricted under a new state law. Illinois Public Radio's Mala Iqbal tells us relatively few gun owners have complied thus far. The deadline to register semi-automatic weapons is January 1st, but only about 4,000 people have registered some 7,800 guns with the state police as of Monday. That's out of about 2.4 million licensed gun owners in the state, though not all have the type that need to be registered. The law, which took effect earlier this year, prohibits the sale and possession of high-powered guns like the AR-15. But current owners can keep their guns as long as they are registered. Some owners have called the law vague, unconstitutional, and say they will not abide. I'm Mawa Iqbal. The Galesburg Public Library will host a free local author fair on Saturday. A dozen local authors will be on hand to sign and sell their books. The fair runs from 10 to 2, and free gift wrapping will be available as well. The ACLU of Iowa and Lambda Legal have filed a lawsuit challenging Iowa's law that restricts discussions of LGBTQ topics in schools and bans books that describe sex acts. Iowa Public Radio's Katerina Sestarek reports. The groups are suing on behalf of eight students, saying the law violates their First Amendment rights and discriminates against them on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. The ACLU and Lambda Legal are asking a federal court to stop implementation of the law and to declare it unconstitutional. Percy Batista Pedro, a high school junior from Waterloo, is one of the plaintiffs in the case. I have experienced harassment in school because of my transgender identity, but SF-496 and its provisions to shut down open, healthy discussion of LGBTQ issues and its silencing of students like me 
make me fear for my happiness and safety more than ever. Governor Kim Reynolds signed the bill into law in May. She issued a statement that says in part, quote, books with graphic depictions of sex acts have absolutely no place in our schools. I'm Katerina Sestarek, IPR News. A new lawsuit claims an insurance company involved in a high-profile medical malpractice case helped influence Iowa lawmakers to pass tort reform last session. Iowa Public Radio's Natalie Krebs reports. The civil lawsuit was filed this month by the Johnson County OBGYN practice at the center of an exceptional 2022 medical malpractice case. It involved a botched delivery and a jury award of nearly $98 million to the injured infant's family. It alleges the clinic's medical malpractice insurance company put its own financial interests ahead of the doctors when it let the case go to trial. Attorney Nick Raleigh, who represents the doctors, says insurance companies use cases like this to push for tort reform. And then the insurance company hires and pays lobbyists to go talk to politicians and say, look at these out-of-control lawsuits that are driving our doctors out of state. Supporters of tort reform say by capping non-economic medical malpractice awards, Iowa can drive down insurance costs and attract more doctors to the state. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. In today's feature, most of us turn on the tap and expect clean water to come out. But that comes with a cost you might not realize. Iowa Public Radio's Zachary Horan-Smith tells about the confluence of federal, state, and local dollars that keep water flowing to a tap near you. There are about 27,000 people living in Marshalltown, and over at the Waterworks, they take their water very seriously. There's a big expectation to make sure that they keep treating water. That's Shelley Lobel. She's the general manager of Marshalltown Waterworks. The plant was built in the 1970s around two clarifying basins that looked like massive concrete funnels. And you can see then it comes up, it goes over that trough to go to the filters. And look how clear and clean that water is already. Each is capable of producing 6 million gallons of clean water. And on an average day, 6 million works. The rub, Lovell says during the hottest, driest parts of the year, Marshalltown demands more water than one basin is capable of producing. So if anything breaks... We're immediately down 6 million gallons per day. If one side of the aging water system needs repair, or if a lightning strike causes havoc on the other, residents and businesses could be forced to cut back. And so for years now, Marshalltown Water has been ramping up plans to build a third water line, a system that uses reverse osmosis to filter out pollution and impurities. It's an expensive option, and unlike some Iowa communities, Marshalltown is not dealing with serious nitrate or forever chemicals known as PFAS pollution. But Lowell says it's important to be prepared. Marshalltown hasn't found those chemicals in their water, but we don't know what the future holds, and Membranes positions us really well to be able to deal with whatever might come. Adding another production line isn't the kind of project a town of 27,000 can swing on its own. It needs help. Marshalltown Waterworks is getting a $36 million loan from the state revolving fund. The fund has put more than $1 billion of state and federal funding towards Iowa communities helping to finance big projects like Marshalltown's. Lovell says without the state revolving fund, the upgrade wouldn't be possible. And for a spot in Iowa like Marshalltown, options are important. Unsurprisingly, its biggest water users are its biggest employers, Alliant Energy, Meat Processor JBS, and a regional water utility. We, we don't want to build the Taj Mahal if that's not what's needed for an individual community. That's Kate Sand. She helps administer the USDA Rural Development's Water Loan Program. 
different than the state revolving fund, its money focuses on water projects for towns with less than 10,000 people. Over the last five years, it has put $387 million into Iowa water projects. The USDARD, State Revolving Fund, and other funds meet quarterly to assess water projects. They each have their criteria, but one they have to be careful of is projects that rely on what they call speculative growth. Some applicants argue that if you build it, big employers will come. Sand says that's a no-no for most funders. We're also looking at what's reasonable growth for that community. Being good stewards of taxpayer dollars, we don't want to overinvest. But for small towns, this kind of infrastructure is part of how they position for the future. Marshalltown Waters, Louisville, is clear that their application for a reverse osmosis line is not about economic development, but it is key to keeping clean water flowing to its town. And there are things, frankly, that we are deferring from a preventative maintenance standpoint until we get this additional 6 million gallon per day treatment train online because we know that we can't get it done within those few hours. Funding agencies told IPR that project financing is tough, but so too is finding qualified operators to run water plants. Jeff Heinrichs is an operator at Marshalltown Water. He's lived in the town for half a century, and he doesn't plan to leave. For him, water is a matter of local pride. Nobody has water that tastes like Marshalltown, and I'm very, very, very proud to be a part of the purest, best-tasting water in the world. I mean, on a hot day, that you'd want nothing more than a good cold glass of Marshalltown water. Heinrich says he wants to see his community grow, and that future is tied at least in part to keeping the water flowing. I'm Zachary Oren-Smith, IPR News. In the weather for our listening area for today, it should be sunny with a high in the mid-40s. We expect west winds around 10 miles an hour. For tonight, mostly cloudy skies with a low in the low 30s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.